0: Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome back to another episode of Chicago Shuffle, your one and only Chicago Bears podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I am your host, Brian Perez, the managing editor over at BearsWire.com. You could follow me at Twitter at Brian Perez NFL. And remember, guys, that's Brian with a Y. Make sure you're checking out all of the Blue Wire podcast bundle of shows as well. If you're a sports fan, football, basketball, anything that that interests you, even some pop culture, the Blue Wire Podcast Network absolutely has a show for you. Make sure you search the Blue Wire Podcast Network anywhere you can find your podcast, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Stitcher. Google Podcast, everywhere you get your shows from, there's a Blue Wire show for you. And also, while you're at it and while you're searching your shows, make sure you subscribe to this show, The Chicago Shuffle. Throw us a great five-star rating. I know you want to do that for us Bears fans, right? And make sure you also leave a review in iTunes. I check all of those out. It really helps me put together the format for this show and get an idea of what you guys want to talk about, what works, what doesn't work. We'll only know with some feedback and contact from you guys. So make sure you take advantage of those iTunes comments and let us know how we're doing. And like I said, over on Twitter, I love the conversation, Bears fans. It's the best place to communicate with Bears fans all across the country. So hit me up on Twitter and let's have this conversation there as well. It doesn't have to be limited to just Bears Wire or this podcast. We can connect in social media as well. And if you are a fan of BearsWire.com, first of all, thank you. We appreciate every every single one of you who comes over and reads our stuff. But if you're a fan, then you are familiar with the rock star of Bears Wire this summer. And that is none other than Alyssa Barbieri, who's going to be joining me today in this show and in all shows moving forward. I'm really excited to have Alyssa as part of the Chicago Shuffle team. You could follow Alyssa over on Twitter at Alyssa Barbieri. It's spelled exactly how it sounds. I'm not going to take the time now to do that, but just go over there and make sure you follow her because she is doing some incredible work on Bears Wire. She is an active writer. She is as active as any writer in the space. And now she gets to join us here on your, uh, whether you're in your car or you're working out at the gym or you're just listening at the office, now she gets to bless your podcast, Airwaves. Alyssa, welcome to Chicago Shuffle.
1: Thank you for having me. I'm super excited. Especially excited now that we have football coming back.
0: Well, that's the thing, right? I mean, I think excitement is the best way to describe this time of year. I mean, we survived what is arguably... I don't even think there's an argument or debate anymore. It is the worst time of year. If you're a sports fan that late June to late July stretch, even let's, you could push it back even to mid June to late July stretch where there is literally nothing to get excited about in the sports world. The NBA season's over the NFL mini camps and rookie mini camps and OTAs are over and we're literally doing nothing but arguing over Madden ratings and anything else that could possibly s- touch and sniff football. I mean, a video game ratings for a video game is what people w- held their hat on for days, if not longer, because of that 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 urge, that unquenchable urge, that thirst to get football back. And we're finally back. We're recording this show, Alyssa, on July 24th. But when this gets published. July 25th, the Chicago Bears are reporting to training camp. We will literally not have another day until hopefully really, or we should say early 2020, if the Bears can make that Super Bowl run without Chicago Bears football. And, And that is an incredible thing. Alyssa, how are you feeling knowing that when this podcast is played in people's cars, in their earbuds and at the gym, Bears football is back?
1: it's a great feeling. I mean, especially coming off of last season's success, there's a lot of high expectations from obviously not only the team, but fans. And so just knowing that we're, there's not going to be another Sunday without football. It's really exciting.
0: I mean, you know, one of our other contributors, Brendan, who does great work also over at Bearswire, in our Bearswire Slack channel, he had mentioned the other day that You know, we made it, guys. There's not going to be another Sunday without football for a really long time. And it hit me. I was like, we really did survive. We made it. You know, for me, it's not just June to, to July, that stretch. I literally start getting depressed once the seventh round Mr. Irrelevant pick is made in the NFL draft because I know right at that moment we have pretty much ended the football calendar. The free agency is over. The NFL draft excitement is over. And of course you get, you know, juiced up a little bit to see the rookies and the new additions and mini camps and whatnot, but it's, it's really just a false high. I mean, that's not something that any of us really, and truly, if you really dig down deep into your conscience, it's nothing to really get excited about. And here we are with no more Sundays without football. And you talk about, the excitement being jacked up to another level because of the season the Bears are coming off of and the expectations that are surrounding this team. Before we kind of get into our training camp preview here, Alyssa, what would you say are realistic expectations for the Chicago Bears in 2019? And I I, I preface this question by saying, I had put this out on Twitter a couple of days ago where I asked Bears fans for realistic expectations and I conditioned it by saying you know, the Super Bowl, while, you know, of course everybody wants to make the Super Bowl, it's not exactly a realistic expectation to say the Bears are going to win or make the Super Bowl. And I was sh- like stunned by the pushback that Bears fans gave me on Twitter, making it seem like that was a ridiculous thing to say that it's not a realistic expectation for the Bears to make the Super Bowl. So I just want to say really quick when I say realistic expectation, I don't mean like the Bears can't make the Super Bowl. I mean, only one out of 32 teams makes the Super Bowl wins the Super Bowl every year. The Bears haven't won the Super Bowl since 1985, and they've had some pretty good teams since then that you could argue were contenders. It's just a matter of probability. It's like a statistics thing. It's not like you look at the Bears' final 53-man roster going into the season and can't argue. They're a contender. Of course they are, but there's probably going to be 12 teams that could say they're legitimate contenders, and we're going to have teams that sneak up out of nowhere that say, you know, have that miracle season. Like, the Bears had last year, that throw a, a wrench into the whole thing as well. So realistically speaking, if we're not speaking with the fan glasses on and saying, oh, this is a Super Bowl or bus team, what would you be happy with if the Bears didn't win the Super Bowl in 2019? What is a good season? What is a benchmark they have to reach for you to be satisfied <clears throat> with the trajectory of this team?
1: Well, I think obviously the first thing that comes to mind is they need to go win a playoff game, Obviously, that Cody Parkey double joint miss has been on all of our minds. And now the expectations are so high, everyone's like, they can go win the Super Bowl. Well, before they do that, they need to go and win a playoff game. And I feel like, obviously, a repeat of NFC North champions would be a nice expectation, getting to the NFC Championship. But I feel like one thing that would kind of, if they don't make the Super Bowl, that would make all of this a little better going forward would be for Mitch Trubisky to finally prove that he is the franchise quarterback that this team has been searching for so long.
0: You see, this is why Alyssa is a pro's pro, right? We have an outline on this show of what we're going to talk about today. And our first topic is Mitch Trubisky. And you see that smooth, effortless transition into our first major talking point of training camp, and that's Mitch Trubisky. And I don't think you could have said it any better. I do believe, Alyssa, that there is – a part of the fan base, if not a majority of the fan base, that will be just as satisfied with this season, even if the Bears, let's say, are a wild card team and don't win a playoff game. They will be fine with that. If Mitch Trubisky is a 4,500 yard, 35 touchdown passer and looks like he has entered that elite territory of the top five, four or five, maybe six quarterbacks in the NFL. Because with that type of development and growth, you now have a chance every single year with a guy like that under center. So even if the team regresses a little bit from a wins and losses standpoint and maybe doesn't take that step in terms of winning a playoff game, if Mitch Trubisky takes that massive leap forward, but the rest of the team around him just didn't match his development, for lack of a better term, I think that is a good season. For a bunch of Bears fans, but what is realistic for Mitch Trubisky? What do you think he's going to put together in 2019 with considering the fact that he has year two now, Matt Nagy's offense, year two with Allen Robinson and Taylor Gabriel and Anthony Miller and Trey Burton, adding weapons like Cordaro Patterson, even a Riley Ridley, and he, a developing Javon Wims. You know, he still got Tariq Cohen coming out of the backfield, another Option out of the backfield that he didn't have last year with Jordan Howard. Now he has another guy in David Montgomery. So, what do you think, Trubisky? Realistically, a realistic season for him will be in 2019.
1: I kind of think back on the last two seasons how there's kind of been like an excuse for you know why isn't he getting there? You know, the first year it was you know having John Fox and Dowell Loggins there and in the inept offense. Year two, he was unlearning what John Fox had instilled in him, learning a new offense, building that chemistry with these receivers. And now in year three, there's really no excuse why he shouldn't be expected to go out there and make that leap and to have like that 35 touchdown season. Um, I feel like if he can make that leap and prove that he can take not only this offense, but this team to a new level with the defense that they have, there's really, you know, no excuse why the Bears should not go far in the playoffs.
0: And I completely agree with that. I, I, I do think that this season has to be the year that the offense is more than just a complimentary piece to an elite Super Bowl potential defense. This year has to be a season that Matt Nagy establishes the offense as a reason why they can win games and that they could bail out the defense if the defense isn't pitching an, uh, you know, a perfect game or bringing even a B plus performance that the offense has the kind of ability to score 35 points if it's needed, uh, even though the defense, generally speaking, probably won't put them in many situations like that. That situation could arise at the worst possible time, a playoff game or a game to win a division. And the offense has to be at a level where they can do that. And the only way they're going to get there is Mitch Trubisky. And, you know, I, I know that Bears fans especially if you're a lifelong Bears fan like I am and you've gone through the decades struggle of finding that franchise quarterback. Sometimes what happens when you're searching and longing so hard for that savior at the most important position, it's only natural to block out maybe some of the obvious warts and negative aspects of a potential player for the sake of, of feeling comfortable in thinking that that franchise player is there. I think this city was guilty of that with Jay Cutler, uh, ignoring a lot of the things that he didn't do well for the sake of having a guy that you could argue as a franchise quarterback. And Jay Cutler came up short during his tenure in Chicago, because quite honestly, he wasn't a franchise quarterback. He was an above average starter. He played like an above average starter and the bears had results like they had with a quarterback who's an above-average starter. And Mitch Trubisky, if we're all being honest in his assessment, this is the make-or-break year. And I don't mean make-or-break from a career standpoint, but I mean a make-or-break from who-is-he standpoint. Is he an elite NFL starting quarterback? We should know by the end of the season. If we still are asking that question, is Mitch Trubisky elite? The answer is he's not because we know Pat Mahomes is elite. We know Deshaun Watson is elite. We know Carson Wentz is elite, and we know by now that Jared Goff is teetering toward that tier, if not there already, and those guys got to that point in their career by this, either by the rookie season or at the very least by that third year, you know, like a Jared Goff who is a little bit longer, you know, took a little longer to, to get there. But I think when you have a quarterback, it's, it's kind of like speed, in my opinion, people out there are probably saying, what, what in the hell is he talking about? But you know it when you see it. You know a guy's fast when you see it. No, you don't need to be a lifelong scout or even a football fan to know Tyreek Hill is fast. You don't need to, to you know, when uh, guys like Barry Sanders were playing, he was running away from defensive backs. You didn't need to know, like, you didn't need to know anything about speed. You could just look at him and say, That's one of the fastest guys in the NFL. It's the same thing with quarterbacks. You kind of know an elite player at the position just when you see it. It's just there. Carson Wentz, you did not have to see eight games of Carson Wentz to know he was going to be an elite quarterback. Patrick Mahomes, you didn't need a full season of Pat Mahomes to know he was going to be elite. Deshaun Watson, it did not take long to know. Look at Baker Mayfield. I mean, nobody's questioning what his long-term upside is going to be. You just knew it right away. That's the only thing that makes me a little nervous at Mitch Trubisky, Alyssa, is that He hasn't been that you see it right away guy, right? You see traits and you see a leader and you see a guy that players want to rally around. You see a really good athlete and you see a guy who can make wow throws from time to time, but he hasn't necessarily strung together all of it and shown us yet that he's there. Now, you look at all those other guys I just talked about, none of them entered the league with a guy like John Fox, right? So you give him a pass. And we saw really Trubisky's rookie year was last year, in my opinion, under Matt Nagy. And if you look at that as his rookie season, you got a lot of reasons to be optimistic that he is going to be an elite guy. So I think this year we're either going to see it from him or we're not. Do you think that's a reasonable take? Or do you think a quarterback just inherently needs more time to settle into what his long-term outlook will be?
1: I think that's a reasonable take. I mean, obviously with Trubisky coming in, he had the least experience of those guys that you named, like Mahomes and Watson. So I feel like this his third year, like you were saying last year, was like his rookie year. And I feel like the second season in Matt Nagy's offense, like you said, this is gonna be the make or break year. Is he the franchise quarterback for Chicago or is he not? And I feel like, you know, you can like you said, you saw it with Mahomes, you saw it with Watson right away. We've seen like flashes of it with Trubisky, but we haven't really seen him be consistent. We can't say for sure. It's like we kind of don't know what kind of quarterback he's going to be, and I feel like this season's going to give us the answer to that.
0: You're right. And and the thing that's the most frustrating with Trubisky at times was was his accuracy or ball placement last season, and it's not necessarily a fatal flaw because when he was a draft prospect coming out of North Carolina, the thing that he was touted for was his accuracy. Uh and it is a little surprising that now he's going into year 3 and that's arguably the biggest question in his game but Ryan Pace talked about it in the offseason uh you know accuracy is is kind of a product of a lot of things its chemistry with the receivers it's the knowledge of the offense and acting more on instinct and reaction versus thinking too long and taking the extra even even third of a second to to let the ball go i mean that that impacts uh you know ball placement from from just on a real deep dive level where the average fan is going to look at it and say, man, he's, he's, he's missing all over the place. And he was at times, there's no excusing the fact that he missed Anthony Miller on more than a handful of times last season. Uh, But, you know, look, a full season with Miller knowing how he breaks his routes now, knowing his actual game tempo and speed, knowing where Miller likes to have the ball, you know, the, 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 the radius or window that, that Miller wants the ball thrown to, we have to see it this year. I mean, I am, I give guys a very long leash, especially when they're wearing the Bears uniform. And three years as a quarterback in the system, half a season as a rookie starting, a full season last year. This is the year. We got to see it or we, we cannot give the guy any more excuses, especially with a defense that's ready to win a Super Bowl right now. Krubisky's best friend in 2019 and one of the biggest storylines in training camp and one of the guys I'm the most excited to watch play is rookie running back David Montgomery, the third round pick from Iowa State. He was my RB1 in this year's draft class. I had him graded above Josh Jacobs. I had him with a first round grade. I thought he was the only running back in this draft class that had a rare, I shouldn't say rare, that's the wrong word, an elite trait. And when you're looking at these, you know, in any draft year, when you study the draft closely like I've done for for many years now, what tends to separate guys when they get to the next level is do they have that one trait that can carry them through a career? And at running back, it's either quick feet, it's vision, it's you know uh, being able to break arm tackles and just you know have that drive to pick up the extra yard, turn a three-yard run into a four-yard run. And David Montgomery this year, in my opinion, had an elite trait or has an elite trait. And that's contact balance, and I wrote about that, and I talked about it on Twitter all the pre-draft process, and it's it's you know it feels good to hear a guy like Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy and the Bears running backs coach all echo that now when they say like look this guy like you really can't tackle him I mean his balance his pad level his flexibility uh, all of that contributes to. Being a, a literally the worst nightmare for opposing defenders, linebackers, safeties, defensive linemen that try to bring this guy to the ground. If you could break that first tackle in the NFL, if you could run through that first tackle in the NFL, you go from a guy that averages three and a half yards a carry to a guy that averages four and a half yards a carry. The difference between a three and a half yard per carry running back and a four and a half yard per carry running back over the course of a career is you wash out after three years or you're pushing for a Hall of Fame career. And that's the kind of trait that Montgomery is bringing to the league. Alyssa, tell me a little bit about Montgomery, what you're excited about uh, for this young guy. He's going to challenge for a starting job. I know you're heading out to training camp. You're going to be there up close and personal. What are some of the things you're looking specifically to see him do early in training camp to say, okay, yeah, w- w- this guy's a dude. This this is, this is the guy to line up behind Mitch Trubisky.
1: Well, something I'd be really paying attention to is – the reason why Jordan Howard isn't here anymore, which is his contribution in the passing game. You know, he's been touted as a really solid pass catcher and how he's going to open this offense up in a way that it hasn't been opened up before. And obviously, you know, his contact bounce, how he's able to hit his running ability combined with that pass catching.
0: And that's a great point too, because you hear that when, when, uh, after the rookie minicamp and, and the other mini camps that followed, um, One of the things, as my computer just goes dark here, one of the things that um, some of the beat writers that were on the ground there were saying was that, you know, Montgomery, you just saw it. Like, there's guys that flash from time to time, even in t-shirt and shorts and just a helmet on, that you could just tell they're moving at a different pace. They have something a a little different kind of swagger to their game. And uh, I believe it might have been Adam Johns or one of the Bears writers. He's out at The Athletic. By the way, if you haven't read Adam Johns' article at The Athletic about David Montgomery, please do it. Uh, It's worth a subscription just to read that article. It's probably the best Bears article you're going to read all season. I put money on that. And if you're not a David Montgomery fan yet, after you read that article, you will be. So check it out. Um, He mentioned how Montgomery, you could just... See, this dude is bringing something so much different to the running game. And it's not literally just the running game. It's from the running back position that will give, you know, Matt Nagy so many more options as a play caller. Because when Jordan Howard was in the game last season, you knew he wasn't going to be a target in the passing game. And when Tariq Cohen was in the game, you knew there's a good chance the ball was going to be, the play was going to be a pass. So now with David Montgomery and even Tariq Cohen in the game at the same time, you're not going to know. Matt Nagy's going to be able to, really unleash his bag of tricks and uh, and do some damage. And Montgomery and, and Trubisky, obviously, they're going to be two of the headliners, but we also have a, a cluster of receivers who it's, it's crazy to think that just a couple of years ago, Kendall Wright was this team's leading receiver. And now we have a bunch of cool dudes at the receiving core. Some of them aren't going to make this team. But before we get into that, we got to talk about another cool option. You like this transition, Alyssa? You know, it's summertime
1: I think. So.
0: and summertime is pool time. We all know you got to cool off in the summer, right? I mean, you need that pool. That pool option is, it's an elite, an elite amenity. My wife and I right now, we're talking about maybe putting a pool in our backyard, man, those things are expensive. But I want to tell you a little bit about a sponsor of ours called Sutro. All pool owners know the hardest thing about owning a pool is keeping the water safe. Testing your pool water is easy, but figuring out what to put into it can be a real pain. Sutro has solved the problem. Sutro's free pool chemical calculator takes the hassle out of treating your pool. Our simple text-based interface allows you to test, text, and then treat your pool. Go to mysutro.com backslash bluewire to sign up for Sutro's free pool calculator. If you own a pool or you have friends or family who do, tell them about Sutro. It's a simple, safe, and convenient way to keep your pool water safe. Take the the guesswork out of pool work with Sutro. Sign up for free at mysutro.com backslash bluewire. And if we could take the guesswork out of this receiving core, Ryan Pace would be thrilled because this receiving core is going to be the toughest position group to make cuts in. So I'm going to let you lead off, Alyssa. Who's in? Who's out? I mean – where do we even start with this group?
1: I I can't remember the last time the Bears receivers group was this deep. I feel like I wasn't born at that point. Um, obviously, you have those locks. You have Robinson, Gabriel, Miller, and Patterson, and I feel like you know you can figure Ridley should make it in, and you know Javon Wims. I feel like it's a matter of how many receivers is Pace going to carry is it going to be the six or seven? Because he said he wasn't they weren't going to necessarily just like cap it at six. If that's the best, if that's the best player available that, you know, they're not going to just say, okay, we're only carrying six. So if they do carry seven, I definitely feel like it's going to be between one of the halls. I would like to say, obviously Emmanuel Hall has, you know, there's been a lot of praise come, you know, since he came out of the draft, obviously he missed a majority of the off season after having sports hernia surgery, which that might actually hurt his chances, and then Marvin Hall, who you know, not many people were talking about, but he's been impressing. Come, you know, during the off season, but you know, obviously, with between both halls, is that going to be enough with such with a deep group that this that the Bears have?
0: And this is where the numbers game comes in. This is the, one of the toughest parts about being a general manager is trying to put that best fifty three together with an eye toward depth as well. You don't want to have. Eight receivers on a final roster and sacrifice maybe, you know, a a swing interior offensive lineman or that backup safety or cornerback who can, who might be better on special teams. I mean, it's really going to come down to which of these guys can contribute on special teams more than just as a return man, because the return man, you know, there's options with Tariq Cohen and some of the other guys on the roster to play that role. You have to be a guy that can play all four special teams, uh, phases of the special teams game. And I mean, we just go down the list here. Allen Robinson, check. Taylor Gabriel, check. Anthony Miller, check. Riley Ridley, check. Cordaro Patterson, check. That's five. I think Javon Wims is an absolute check. Now you're at six. If they're going to keep seven, I I go to Emmanuel Hall as the undrafted rookie free agent. Emmanuel Hall fell out of the draft because there were some concerns about his, his character, his personality, whatnot. He has been banged up in college. But man, if this guy, if you just go... By the tape, this is a steal. This is a third-round talent who the Bears got off the street, essentially. He's going to be, in my opinion, if he's healthy, he could be that preseason darling, that preseason star who works his way onto the active roster. I don't think he's the kind of player, if he has a good preseason, that the Bears will be able to stash on the practice squad like they were able to do last year with Ryan Nall, the running back, who was basically the, the best player on offense during the preseason. They were able to save him on the practice squad because the nature of the position, the depth at that position teams weren't necessarily looking to add that 53rd guy as a running back, but receivers a little bit of a different breed of cat here. And I think Emmanuel hall is not going to be a guy that you can stash. So is a Marvin hall, Tanner Gentry, you know, I know he's a preseason darling as well. Those look like the odd man out the odd men out at this point, I would say seven is a really realistic possibility for this team what that means for other position groups, like for example, tight end tight end is a really deep position group going into training camp at Trey Burton, Adam Shaheen, Ben Braunekker. I think Bradley Sowell is a lock to make the team because the dude is changing from tight uh, offensive tackle to tight end. He's essentially sacrificing his career for that, for that uh position change. You know, I don't think Bradley Sowell is going to have any interest on the open market as a tight end, you know, after playing his whole career, offensive tackle. So I think they're, and Adam Johns makes this point on his podcast that there, there's got to be some kind of handshake deal there, Matt Nagy and Bradley Sowell, that look, make the position change and, and you got a roster spot. And here's the other thing, and not to go off on a tangent here on tight ends, but I don't think Bradley Sowell is switching the tight end to legitimately play tight end. And this is something I wrote about a while back on Bears Wire, and it's something that I feel like you know the, the, the mainstream media is missing a little bit. Bradley Sowell is an offensive tackle by trade he just happens to be an offensive tackle who has really good hands and we saw that last year on some trick plays where he lined up as that extra offensive lineman or receiver eligible and he he scored some touchdowns and he was pretty it was a great great storyline last year imagine now Bradley Sowell a guy who can line up as your extra offensive lineman on the 2 yard line let's say he lines up at the end of the line of scrimmage he's a tight end now he doesn't have to report as an eligible receiver he's naturally a tight end But he could just be in the game to block, to be that big-bodied, extra-offensive lineman, clear running lane for David Montgomery on the three-yard line and let the guy score a touchdown. But he could also now be an eligible receiver without having to alert the defense that he's now an eligible receiver, basically not calling any attention to himself. Again, we talked about David Montgomery and what he's going to be able to do for Matt Nagy as a play caller. Imagine Bradley Sowell, who is essentially an offensive lineman, who Matt Nagy can call as a receiver anytime he wants now, I think that's why the position change was actually made. Not because Bradley Saul is going to be a traditional tight end, but because the Bears have plans for a lot more of these trickeration type plays without having to kind of tip their hat or show their cards before they actually call the play. So I think we're going to see possibly an extra tight end kept beyond the traditional numbers. But keep in mind, Bears fans, Sal can be your swing tackle as well. I know he lost a bunch of weight and he probably won't fit that prototype to be an offensive tackle this year, but he is a tackle by trade. He, you don't just forget how to play that position. So you're kind of keeping two guys in one right there. Um, But again, that wide receiver group, and you're right, Alyssa, it's been a long time since, (laughs) since bears fans can remember a receiving court as talented as this. You probably have to go back to the, Brandon Marshall, Alshon Jeffrey days when they were playing at their peak, uh, when when they were two of the best receivers in the game and they just happened to be on the same team. That was a that was an exciting offense of Matt Forte in the backfield. I mean, that was that was a great group for that stretch run there. And, and this team looks like it has the makings of that as well, with with arguably a better coaching staff and better defense, and dare I say better quarterback in place as well. Um speaking of that defense. That's the next talking point here for the, for our little training camp preview, and the defense. You know, there's no mystery here. We know the Bears have an elite defense. They proved it last year. Cleo Mack was obviously the missing link who turned that team from a you know a middle of the road 500 club to a 12 and four NFC North champion. And that that's the that's what a Hall of Fame player does to a team, especially a Hall of Fame player at one of the most important positions in the game. He can't do it alone, Alyssa. He can't do it alone again in 2019. And it's not that he did it alone last year. I mean, Akeem Hicks was fantastic. Rohan Smith showed, you know, all pro upside. Kyle Fuller led the league in interceptions. Eddie Jackson, superstar safety. But Leonard Floyd is the elephant in the room. And it's not because he's overweight. He's the elephant in the room because the dude is not producing. Like the number nine overall pick is supposed to as a pass rusher. Is this the final year of Leonard Floyd in Chicago? Alyssa, what does he have to do? to take this defense from an elite defense to arguably one of the best this franchise has ever fielded.
1: Well, I feel like he he needs to show that he can take advantage of having Khalil Mack lining up opposite of him and obviously his sack his sack numbers have been low. He obviously needs to prove that he can produce and I know he's been limited with injuries including the hand last season and again there's there's no excuse this the Bears showed a lot of faith in picking up that fifth-year option. And the fact that Ryan Pace said that the one player that has stood out this offseason that's not a rookie was Leonard Fo- was Leonard Floyd, I think that's quite encouraging, especially now, you know, he is learning a new defensive scheme, um, but also, like, working with Ted Monacino. I feel like, and having Khalil Mack lining up on the opposite side is really going to help him.
0: I want to be encouraged, Alyssa. I really, really want to be encouraged, but I feel like when you have a player that you're concerned about their state of mind, for lack of a better term, you will go out of your way to praise that guy. I mean, we've been down the road with Kevin White. I, I remember Kevin White was that guy who was impressing. Kevin White was that guy. The light finally turned on. Kevin White was that guy. The breakout year is coming. Right. And Ryan Pace would mention Kevin White and Leonard Floyd just feels like another one of those guys that Ryan Pace is going out of his way a little too much to maybe prop him up, to talk him up, to give him that confidence that maybe behind the scenes. And this is just a guess here on my end. I have no intimate or personal knowledge of this, but maybe behind the scenes, Leonard Floyd's a guy who needs a little help. In being a confident football player, Uh, his stats kind of show why his rookie season. He looked promising seven sacks, got like half of them in the first half of his rookie year. And then 2015, 2017, he dropped to four and a half sacks, just played 10 games. So, all right, look, maybe that's another eight or nine sack season if he plays all year. And then last year, the year it was supposed to happen with Khalil Mack one of the greatest pass pass rushers of our generation and possibly of all time, taking all of the attention of the offensive line and the opposing team's game planning away from you, and you end up with four sacks, a career low, 16 games played. I mean, you could have one arm tied behind your back with Khalil Mack on the other end, on the other side of the defensive line. If you're an elite pass rusher, you could succeed with one arm tied behind your back. I, I don't care what anybody tells me. Leonard Floyd, last year, major red flag. Now look, Leonard Floyd is a player who could be developing into a really solid all-around outside linebacker, good against the run, good in coverage, produces from time to time as a pass rusher. But that's just, it's just not good enough. It's especially not good enough in this window that the Bears have to kind of challenge for NFL supremacy. You know, look at what the Broncos have, for example, Von Miller and Bradley Chubb. I mean, that's what you want. You want two edge rushers who could push the double-digit sack number. I mean, Cleo Mack, if everything comes together for him, full offseason with the Bears, full training camp with the Bears, he could end up being a 20-sack guy this year. I mean, that and that's a rarefied error. That's territory that you rarely see a ha- you know, pass rusher hit, but he's the kind of guy that could do it, especially in this city with this defense that he's playing with. If he's projected to be that good, that elite Leonard Floyd needs at least nine or 10 sacks. Otherwise the guy's a bust. I'm sorry. He's a bust. And the bears may have taken it, picked up his fifth year option, but they could rescind that at any point, barring injury to Leonard Floyd. They could rescind that. And I have a feeling that could be the path we go down. If Leonard Floyd by mid season, isn't consistently getting pressure on the quarterback, you're going to see them open up an opportunity for one of these younger guys on the roster to get a chance to, to play that role. But you know, it's not just about Leonard Floyd and um, Khalil Mack. I mean, the secondary, Eddie Jackson. Do, do you think, Alyssa, Eddie Jackson is, is you know, we everybody knows he's an all-pro. Everyone knows he's one of the best in the league right now. But do you think that this is the season that Eddie Jackson goes from a top three or four safety to the elite number one guy in the league?
1: I feel like it really has the potential to. And uh, I, I inter- interviewed him a couple weeks ago, and he was saying that he hasn't even peaked yet. Which, considering what he's been able to do in these last two seasons, that's, that's, you know, pretty encouraging. I feel like, you know, if this defense, you know, p- pairing him with Ha Ha Clinton-Dix, I feel like, like switching over to Dix, I feel like that could end up being a potential upgrade over Adrian Amos. And I feel like having him and Jackson together, I feel like that could be really special.
0: Just be careful, because if Packers fans hear <laughs> that comment, you will be enemy number one. On Twitter, because the easiest way to rile up the Packer fan base is to suggest that Adrian Amos is somehow a similar or equal to player than uh, of as haha Ha Clinton Dix, and I agree with you completely. I mean, Adrian Amos is is a very good safety, and there's no disrespecting his game at all. He's he's just not a difference maker. He's a guy who I believe is replaceable. And if you could replace him with an upside guy who can also contribute with interceptions, like HaHa Clinton-Dix has proven he's capable of doing, there's the potential for an upgrade there because at the end of the day, defensive football is not just about being good in run support, right, as a safety. You want a guy who can make a field-flipping, game-changing play. That's why Eddie Jackson is so good is because he's got great ball skills. He can can just, you know – demolish an opposing team's passing game in just one or two plays over the course of a game. I mean, he doesn't have to be a player who makes an impact on second and seven. And, you know, they run the ball and pick up three yards and it's Eddie Jackson making the tackle, putting the opposing offense in a third down situation, which is kind of what Adrian Amos did throughout his career in Chicago. I'll sacrifice that part of a player's game for the guy who, when it's second and nine in the third quarter in a close game, Closes on a ball, makes a pick, and gives the balls the ball back to the Bears offense. That's what Haha Clinton Dix can do better than Adrian Amos did. And like you said, that upgrade, um, that upgrade is definitely potentially there. And while we're talking about upgrades, Alyssa, here comes another seamless transition. Let's talk about upgrading your sleep. I want to talk about eight sleep. Look at the world's tech leaders and high growth startup CEOs. And I bet you wonder how in the world they have that kind of inexhaustible energy to do what they do. The answer is going to surprise you. The latest trend with top tech leaders is sleep optimization. While most Americans are not getting the sleep they need, tech founders and CEOs are optimizing their sleep to perform at a peak level every day. The first step, the pod by eight sleep, the ultimate sleep machine. The pod is the first and only high-tech bed designed to help you achieve peak mind and body performance. Are you looking to sleep deeper? I, I know I am. I mean, look, when you when you work in football like we do, Alyssa, hours of sleep can be lost in the blink of an eye when you're grinding at night putting articles out. So the pod dynamically adjusts the temperature on each side of the bed so you're comfortable all night. Do you want to know about your sleep intel? The pod tracks your biometrics while you sleep with no need for wearable technology. It's like analytics for your sleep. This is incredible. Do you want to sleep better? Enjoy personalized programs and coaching designed by experts guiding you towards true sleep fitness. You got a coaching staff here. Because the better you sleep, the better you everything. Try the pod for 100 nights. And if you don't love it, they'll refund your purchase and arrange a free pickup. Only at eightsleep.com slash blue wire. They already sold out of their first two batches, so they're going fast. For a limited time, get 150 bucks off your purchase when you go to eightsleep.com slash blue wire. E I G H T sleep.com slash blue wire. And for all of us to sleep better at night, especially in the Bears universe, Alyssa, we have to talk about the kicker. Uh, This is what keeps you up at night. This is what keeps me up at night. This is what has given us nightmares this whole offseason. And unbelievably, this is what will probably be the number one storyline of training camp is the Bears kicker situation. So I hate talking about this. I hate writing about this. It just makes me sick. So we're going to keep this pretty simple. Is the Bears kicker on the roster right now, Alyssa? Are we are we going to see Eddie Pinero or Elliot Fry as the opening day kicker Thursday night against the Green Bay Packers in front of a national audience celebrating the 100th season of Bears and NFL football? Is it Fry and or Pinero who's going to be the guy potentially lining up for the game winner against Aaron Rodgers and the hated Green Bay Packers?
1: The answer is, I don't know, and I feel like that's a big concern, especially with as talented of a team as they have. So here's Obviously. the thing, so
0: here's so here's the thing, Lisa. I'm not letting you off the hook that easily. <laughs> we need a yes or a no. Is the Bears kicker? If you have if you're in Vegas today and I don't know is not a bet you can make. Are you betting on these two guys, or are you taking the field that somebody else is going to end up being the Bears opening day kicker in week one?
1: I think I'm going to go with one of these two guys. Basically, based on what Ryan Pace has been saying, how he wants to develop a young kicker, how basically both Pinheiro and Fry, they have, they have something that they're really good at, but also they need to develop. Basically, Eddie Pinheiro, he's got the leg, but he needs to develop the consistency. Fry, he has the consistency, but needs to develop the leg strength. So basically, you put these two guys together, kicker problem solved, but it's not going to be that easy. But I think that ultimately Pace will go with one of these guys. Because looking at the free agents available, obviously, we don't know what's going to happen in the preseason, guys hitting the waiver wire. But if I had to bet, I think I would say that the kicker is currently on the roster.
0: Yeah, I think... I think I would lean in that direction too. And I, and I think it's going to be Pinheiro because he was identified as a player to trade for. And you're not going to trade for a guy and potentially give up an asset for a guy unless you think the upside is there to, to have the job. But still, I mean, this is scary, right? This is scary because the team is that good. The Bears are that good. And the NFL is such a, a, a tightly contested league right now. That games are going to be won and lost as they are every year, and we all experienced it in the most, you know, gut wrenching, heart crushing fashion last year with Cody Parkey. Games are going to be won and lost on the right or left leg of a starting kicker, and to think that one of these two guys who have no big game experience, no real experience, period, kicking in the NFL, is going to be that guy for a potential Super Bowl contender. I don't want to say it's negligence in terms of roster management, but it's pretty damn close. I mean, it, this is something where it's almost like an overcorrection being done by Ryan Pace and taking the complete opposite path that he took last year with Cody or yeah, last year was Parkey's first year with the team. So, the path that he took with Cody Parkey, you know, giving a guy big money based on production and 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 future projection and he's overcorrecting now and taking the complete opposite approach, which is arguably just as bad, if not worse, than paying big money for a player at such a volatile position where year out year over year, you know, success rate for a kicker can can fluctuate so dramatically. I just I just am really concerned that the Bears have almost in an effort to forget about the Cody Parkey situation or to try to heal from it have not made kicker a priority and they're focusing on the rest of the team and the kicker situation will just work itself out. And I I just feel like that's a, a very slippery slope, a very risky approach to the season. And it's a very easy and fast way to lose the confidence of the locker room. If your kicker is losing games for you, because the guys that are really doing the dirty work, you know for four quarters the guys that are sacrificing their body and sacrificing you know everything about who they are to try to win a game if games are lost because of two missed kicks and you know by a kicker or a game winner that's missed you could lose a locker room and i think that there is a chance that a season can go south real quick because of a position that's so overlooked so often by teams i mean it's unfortunate that Robbie gold is no longer here. And it's a, it's one of Ryan Pace's transactions. I'm sure he wish he could have back when he decided to part ways with gold. And it's been a problem ever since. I mean, I don't know if there's any reason to have confidence in Ryan Pace's ability to fix it. Cause he's been playing catch up since getting rid of Robbie gold. But uh, here we are. And Elliot Fry, Eddie Pinero are going to be two of the most talked about players over the next couple of weeks for reasons that <clears throat> we all fear rather than are excited about. But I don't want to see, see, listen, this is why I did not want to end the the podcast on the kickers, right? It's such a negative feeling, right? It's such a buzzkill. It really is. What what do we need to see to to feel good? What do we need to see from these guys? Is it just consistency and practice? Is it actual preseason games where they're converting? I mean, what will make you feel comfortable that, all right, we got a kicker?
1: I feel like definitely the game experience because obviously throughout the offseason, Nagy's been throwing them all, like putting putting them in pressure situations that are not like games. But, you know, it doesn't matter until the game is being played. And, you know, it's going to be interesting at training camp when you're standing, you're there in front of fans, fans that have very vivid memories of that Cody Parkey miss who are just waiting for you to miss or waiting for you to hit that upright. It, it's, it's going to be interesting. But I really think that the game experience. I need to see them consistently make field goals during games. And Matt Nagy said that they were going to there were going to be some questionable play, play calls. Not that they're going to kick on third down, but that they're going to try to put them into these pressure situations to really see are one of these guys our kicker.
0: Yeah, they're definitely going to manufacture kicks in the preseason. That there's no doubt about that, and they have to. I mean, there's there's no way to know if a player can kick in a game until they kick in a game, right? And you don't want to yes it's great to have you know chase daniel lead the backups in the third quarter to a touchdown but if it's third and seven and they're on the 30 yard line maybe you run for two yards make it fourth and five 28 backup what is it 17 yards now you got a 45 yard kick that is more productive in terms of this team's overall you know construction than maybe converting and keeping a drive alive and and even getting a chip shot attempt or a touchdown. I mean, you need to see these guys kick between that 35 and 45 yard range because once you kind of get, you know, 49 to 50 and up, I mean, really it's kind of a crapshoot from there, whether a kicker's going to make a 50 plus yard or so, you know, once they're in that 40 plus 40 to 49 yard range, I think that's in the preseason when you're going to really pay close attention to the play calls. They're going to probably get very conservative to get some of these kick attempts uh, under their belt so they can study these guys and just make a judgment call. Um, there is a chance, there is a really good chance that we could be sitting here and the fourth preseason game is over, roster cuts take place, and the Bears have a completely new name that was not in camp, that was cut from another team, that they have a higher grade on, and they open up week one with that guy for the first time. And now all the conversation that we're going to have over the next month about Elliot Fry and Eddie Pinero is for naught. So Bears fans, we're not going to limit or eliminate completely kicker conversation on this podcast, but it's like, you know, I mean, it's, it's just a buzzkill. So here we are. We're training camp is starting. Alyssa, if you can just sum it up, what are you most excited about over the next couple of weeks to see happen at camp while you're there in, per- what day are you going to be there? When are you going to be out in Burbank?
1: Um, I'm going to be out there for the first practice on Saturday and I'm going to be there I think for about a week.
0: Awesome. So we're going to have boots on the ground in Bourbonnais with up close and personal observations from Alyssa over at bearswire.com here on Chicago shuffle. We're back in the rotation here. So make sure you are subscribed for all of our new shows uh, we're, we're hoping, you know, at least once a week, maybe we'll throw an extra podcast up during the week to cover all the happenings at Bourbon A. And as we kind of steamroll through the preseason, we're going to be your go to podcast for the 2019 season and beyond. Subscribe everywhere you get your podcasts from. Give us that fantastic five star rating over at iTunes. It's like Madden ratings, you know, we want to be a 99 and the only way to get that 99 is you guys click that fifth star. Leave us a review, put your comments in the iTunes section. We are going to be reviewing those every time they come in. You have questions, you have anything that comes up on your mind as a Bears fan something we overlooked here in our training camp preview. We're going to talk about it on the next show. We're going to pull out some of those top comments. We're going to mention you by name and we're going to get you a little bit of airtime as well. So Thank you guys for joining us on this training camp preview. We'll be back in about a week with our next show, and we'll be knee-deep in training camp. And until then, Bears fans, like I said, ignore the kicker, focus on Trubisky, David Montgomery, and all the great things we got going on in Bears camp, and always remember to Bears, de- to, to Bears down. See, Alyssa, I, I'm even screwing up here because of these damn kickers. I just double donked the clothes here. Always remember to bear down, and come on back next time to the Chicago Shuffle.